In today's fast-paced working environment, it's more important than ever for organisations and individuals to prioritise mental health. However, for many of us, this is easier said than done. We often put the needs of our job ahead of our own well-being, leading to burnout, anxiety and depression. Organisations can find it difficult to address mental health issues because of stigma around them and any of us can have moments of poor mental health. But sometimes having a conversation about how we are thinking or how we're feeling is very difficult. Public surveys implemented in 2020 in the Middle East and North Africa region suggest that nearly 30% of the region's population suffer from at least one form of poor mental health. In response to that, some countries, including, for example, Saudi Arabia, have increased their funding for mental health care. However, businesses also need to play their role. I'm Blair Boyd, Senior Health and Safety Manager at WSP in the Middle East. And in this episode of the Anticipate podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Karen McDonnell, Occupational Safety and Health Policy Advisor at the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents. In today's episode of the Anticipate podcast, we will explore the factors that affect employees' mental health and how organisations can bring peace and well-being into the workplace. Dr. Karen, welcome to the Anticipate podcast. Dr. Karen, you've worked as an advisor for ROSPA for more than 25 years and also volunteered as president of IOSH. So it would be great if you could give us some information for our listeners about your career. Well, it's uh, quite a long and varied uh, career. I joined uh, ROSPA in 1989. My interest in health and safety being sparked by my PhD research that focused on the thermal environment in the hotel sector. And I think, you know, that um, where you're based, you know, you certainly understand the challenges of work within hot environments. So the literature review that undertook as part of the research was very much about getting an understanding for me of health and safety and how it could be used to protect the safety and health of workers. And really, that's where I got hooked. And then I'm fairly certain that somewhere uh, I will have the original advert because I, I like to keep sort of moments in, in time uh, to reflect back on. I'm fairly certain I would find that original advert for a role uh, within ROSPA, uh, based in Edinburgh. And it was a huge opportunity for me at that particular time. And I joined the training team. Uh, so I'm very familiar uh, with delivering training programmes, developing training programmes, and really um, focusing on leadership engagement with organisations where they fall into ROSPA membership uh, or indeed with our award winners. And, and over the years, I've evolved to be the Occupational Health and Safety Policy Advisor for ROSPA, which helps us focus on our policy priorities, develop policy standpoints that can be used by our members to communicate around about the issues and really to keep our mission and vision very firmly in the public eye, which is the that we are seeking for more lives free from serious accidental injury through this exchange similar to we're having this evening of life-enhancing knowledge and skills. My volunteering with IOSH is kind of almost running parallel with that. I think that it's really important for practitioners, irrespective of their organisation, to be connected with each other to exchange what works. And the work with ROSPA very much chimes uh, with IOSH's ethos in terms of bringing people together and enthusing people about the topics so that you can start to have a different conversation about issues that uh, reduce accidents and have these more lives free from serious accidental injury. 
Thank you very much, Dr. Cannon. So if we move on to work through some of the questions for our discussion, the first one that I've got for you is, what is mental health from your perspective? I think that I would just like to take a, a little moment just to talk about some data. You know, we're, we're very much data-driven uh, from a ROSPA perspective. And uh, indeed, the, the data around and about mental health is, is a real challenge. I mean, recent publication from the World Health Organization is stating that 15% of the working age adults across the world live with mental health issues. The poor mental health can affect a person's capacity to enjoy their life, work, and indeed to do it well. It's widely recognised that behind each data point, which is our focus, behind each data point is a person, their family, co-workers and communities. And I know that from a WSP standpoint, that's very much what your drive is with this particular podcast to enhance understanding of the issues. Further data, which is staggering, is that during the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, the prevalence of anxiety and depression across the world increased by 25%. So I'm going to take a moment just to reflect on a document I know we've discussed in the past, Blue, which is the Stevenson Farmer Review. It was undertaken in 2017. And I think for me, their, their definition is that, you know, or the way they explain uh, mental health is we all have mental health and we fluctuate between thriving, struggling, being ill and possibly off work. And it is widely understood that good work is good for you. So it's about employers creating those conditions for people to thrive in order that people have positive mental health and can make this contribution to society, have a life free from harm and also make a contribution to our economy. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Cannon. So if we move on to look at how organisations can create mentally healthy workplaces. From my perspective, I, I do like a good quotation, and there's a, a quotation that you'll recognise from the sort of Marvel comics, you know, that with, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think it's entirely relevant uh, within this conversation. Employers can have a great impact through creating conditions which help their employees to thrive. And again, that the word thrive comes through from the Stevenson Farmer Review. So I did have a look at the dictionary definition of it, and I think this is where it really this subject comes alive. You know, to thrive is to grow, to develop well, to develop vigorously, to prosper and flourish. So what a vision for employers to have across the world and how to actually achieve this. So I thought I'd just give you some insights into how ROSPA encouraged our network uh, to pause, reflect and reset as the pandemic, as we move through the pandemic and as we've come into the world in 2022. And it's as relevant today talking about how important is to pause, reflect and reset around the topic of mental health and work. In, in our OSH world, we do like a mnemonic. So if we take P as prioritise your people, so people are front and centre when it comes to well, any health and safety issue, but particularly mental health and work. And then to assess the risks to people's mental health at the workplace, but to remain situationally aware because we don't want to become blinkered and forget about all these other issues that can cause challenges within our organisations. And as part of the assessing of risks, consider things like flexible working, modifying workloads, that really important piece about work-life balance. And on reflection, if you think about the new ways of working that we're all experiencing around the world and how difficult perhaps it is to unpick some people from hybrid working where they've been home-based and have perhaps adopted additional uh, responsibilities within the home environment, just as a consequence of having been there uh, over a period of time. The S stands for speaking to your people. 
So it's about prioritisation and speaking to your people and involving them in uh, decision making. Uh, any reasonable adjustments that might be required to adapt the workplace to match their capacities, their needs and their preferences. And again, I can only emphasise here the importance of a person-centred approach to decision-making in any way forward to support uh, your people. The E is for evaluation, evaluating the impact of the changes that you've made and really to add to the evidence base and share what works so that you know the data, the dialogue and the personal experiences, because this mental health and work topic is very much a whole person, whole life topic. So I would suggest that pause, reflect and reset around mental health is something that employers around the world uh, should be doing in relation to managing this particular challenge. Thanks for that, Dr. Cannon. How would you identify people who are at risk and how would you help to build positive conversations with them and your organisation? I think that this is, as I've emphasised already, you know, that importance of having a people-centred approach. And this is perhaps where that word empathy comes into play, you know, where people demonstrate this ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. So being able to put put yourself in their position, understanding perhaps the changes in their behaviour, which may be very slight, for example, being late, consistently late for meetings when they've always been on time, perhaps not looking quite as well presented on a daily basis, perhaps being quiet or withdrawn, whereas normally they're very sort of vigorous and out there and ready to share their opinion. And I think it, those types of indicators would suggest that you know you should be taking that moment to ask them if they're okay. Within a Scotland context, there's a, a See Me campaign and it's called Are You Okay?, And it's about asking if someone's okay or all right. So I'll translate that, you know, are you okay? Are you feeling well? And then taking that moment to say, are you really okay? Let's go to a a quiet corner. Let's find a place where we can talk uh, without oversharing in in a public place and have that positive conversation about how's life with you at the moment? Is there anything that we can do differently in a workplace environment and to help them move forward? Because Worklessness is a determinant of poor health. So really what we want to do is we want to manage our talent and help them stay in work because the good work that's created through having these conversations really is good for people. Excellent, excellent. It's all about creating that safe space for people, isn't it? To be able to have those conversations, to sit down with them and talk with them. Absolutely, absolutely. And working out what's a good fit for them. Employee assistance programmes have a high profile in a lot of organisations. But are employee assistance programmes enough from the perspective of managing or improving overall mental health of our employees? I think there's a real opportunity to have this, like a toolbox, and a toolbox is a well-recognised topic uh, within within our shared OSH world. You know, but to have different ways of engaging people around and about the risks to the mental health for your workforce and try and... I, identify organisational interventions that can modify, mitigate or remove them. You know, the simple things like flexible working arrangements, modifying people's workloads and then really prioritising, as I said earlier, the importance of work-life balance and really involving people and listening because you can bring people together with a view to listening to what they've got to say, but you really do have to involve people in decision-making about their job and ensure that they feel engaged and want to stay with you. That's all part of the talent management process. So I would say 
uh, an employee assistance program is has its place, and uh, indeed we have one uh, within a ROSPA context, and I'm sure WSP provide that support also. But there's other layers there that you can in- introduce, you know, because the first should be P for prevention, and then perhaps looking at how you could introduce some form of manager training in relation to mental health so that people understand what job stressors are and how they can be managed and how to put themselves in somebody else's shoes. I think that's a really good way to think about it is to try and think about everything that's impacting on an individual and to see how you can improve your interpersonal management skills to allow them, to give them that opportunity to share in comfort what their challenges are. Perhaps a wider training for workers in mental health literacy, you know, understanding what the um, issues are in a, in a simple way that can be shared or cascaded across the business. And then perhaps where it is needed, have these in, an individual person-centred intervention, for example, uh, a stress management training programme or an opportunity to go up from the desk and go out and undertake some physical leisure activities to redress the balance. But whatever you look to, in, to introduce, whatever intervention you look to introduce, it's very much, I, I can't stress enough, the importance of using something that's been tested for effectiveness, quality and safety. And I'm referring here to some guidance that was produced uh, last week for organisations by the World Health Organisation. So it's a four-step approach towards what organisations can do in terms of managing the issues we're talking about today. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that four-step approach, Dr Cannon, and tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it is in recognition that it, this is this global challenge. I mean, one, one figure I didn't use uh, earlier, but 12 billion workdays are lost every year to depression, anxiety alone, at a cost of $1 trillion per year in lost productivity. So getting it right not only adds value for people, but it adds value for organisations and wider society. So the World Health Organisation have promulgated this this guidance that I think is is an update on Stevenson Farmer. That's what we were talking about the other day, wasn't it? You know, about what, what else is in that gap between 2017 and now. And there are two fact sheets, one for one tips for employers and one also tips for policymakers. So those are a perfect fit for the audience that this podcast is going out for. And I can send the links over to you, Blair. That'd be great. And we could share them in the description for the podcast. If we move on a little bit, How do you think stigma plays a part in mental health and the management of mental health and organisations? I think that although we've come a a long way because we're having we have conversations about mental health issues frequently in Osh in our Osh community now, and reflecting back over time, perhaps they've not been as evident in terms of the meaning of a stigma within a mental health perspective. You know, people may be viewed in a negative way or treated differently or indeed made feel made to feel ashamed or worthless, uh, as if they're perhaps less than other people because they may not be perceived to be as resilient in terms of who they are within a workplace environment. And do you think that causes a barrier to people having those conversations about mental health? I think the important thing is that organisations put in place a system that equips managers and co-workers with a very clear understanding of what mental health issues and what mental health means within an organisational context and the fact that we all have mental health. So it's not unique to individuals. You know, we all have it and we fluctuate between thriving 
struggling, being ill and possibly off work. So it's something that can happen to any of us. And I think it's really important to have that open conversation that at any point in time, something can change either in work or out with work that predisposes somebody to risk of struggling and failing to thrive. How do you think empathy plays a part in alleviating the impacts of mental health issues? And how do we create the conditions for people to thrive in the workplace? I think it's about taking time to look at the people that are around about you. This is a very personal opinion here I'm giving you, Blair. You know, it's about taking the time to look around and and see the people around about you. And and lots of us have have been isolated for people they've worked with for a very long time over the last last year or two, you know, and, and your relationship has reverted to being through a screen where you don't always get the nuances of how somebody's really feeling, you know, so how how responsive they are to a bit of a, a conversation are they entirely focused on work because actually their workload is overwhelming and they can't take that moment to go up and move away uh, from their desk so it is about uh, looking at the people around about you understand a little bit about their story I would say you know because we are uh, whole people with whole lives and um, I have heard um, case studies where the behaviours of an individual have perhaps changed within a workplace environment and nobody's been able to understand why they have been, as I mentioned earlier, you know, late or dishevelled or inattentive, quiet and withdrawn. A particular case I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about is, is that of a, a, a driver on behalf of an organisation who for six months of the year was completely on point, was at work, was doing everything that was required of them uh, in the way that was required, an exemplary employee. And then for six months of the year, you know, in the the second six months of the year, it became apparent that he was late, he was less focused. They sat down and had that conversation about, are you okay? Are you really okay? And it transpired that this, this person was actually caring for an elderly parent who, when the clocks changed, they became disorientated just with that clock change. And as a consequence of the care and responsibilities he had, he was late, he was dishevelled, and he was quiet and withdrawn. But what they did was they addressed that by being having an empathetic approach, whereby they then went into an annualised hours contract where he could work his hours over the year, but no longer had to try and balance work with life when really it needed the equation needed to be reset if that makes sense to you absolutely and that's an organization taking that flexible approach to the employee by having the empathy for the employee and supporting them do you think then that's raised a an interesting topic for me that do you think then that the remote working that we've been experiencing throughout the pandemic and beyond as the new way of working blurs the boundaries between home and the office? And how is that affecting our employees' mental health? I think that it's, uh, I mentioned the statistics earlier about uh, the increase in anxiety and depression as a consequence of the pandemic. And I'm fairly certain that there'll be an element there about that sense of isolation and not being with people, irrespective of whether it's uh, your extended family or, or co-workers. So I think that there is that, whole piece about understanding the shift towards uh, hybrid working, whether it is a complete shift and you don't move back to the way you worked before. But it's it's about taking the time again to is that pause, reflect and reset around your workers and and to find out 
whether they're the new way of working is actually bringing the best out in them. You know, are they being given? Are they feeling that it, their work is worthwhile? That they're uh, able to deliver uh, to their their capabilities uh, and to provide those opportunities to come together uh, to have a conversation about how's life with you and are you really okay and what's your wider story? You know what, what's happening in the wider world that you occupy because, as I said earlier, it is uh, difficult to completely unpick people from their homes and families. And that's another conversation alongside this, this mental health conversation that we're having today, you know, that people are entitled to have good work-life balance and those conversations really help reset that balance. How do you think other factors affect mental health in the workplace, such as sleep and burnout? And what should organisations do to manage them, Dr Karen? I think that good sleep hygiene, fatigue piece, uh, is one that's a key issue for ROSPA. So I'm interested in what your organisation are, are, are doing with respect to that also. I think for me, it's about having, again, that conversation that we are whole people with whole lives. So it can be quite difficult to separate out sleep, fatigue and mental health, for example, because we have one physiology and all these things are happening within within our bodies and these these bodies go to and from work they spend time at work so I think it's uh, important to have a holistic understanding uh, of the challenges but from from a, an organizational perspective it is very much about leadership on these topics you know it's about recognizing that you need to have this enabling environment for change so the commitment uh, to mental health at work that perhaps talks about sleep and how well are you sleeping that considers the number of hours that people are working on behalf of the organisation that may be standard for a period of time, but then because there is a change in emphasis within the workplace that people start to work out with normal hours. Um, and where that ties in with the driving piece for me is in the with the you know the drive-in, drive-out workers uh, who are, are driving into a location work for X number of hours and then drive back to where they came from, having worked full day shift. So it's about creating this enabling environment to discuss those issues like this sleep, sleep hygiene, fatigue continuum within the overall mental health picture, I I believe, but very much with a dedicated leadership policy and plan for the way forward so people know where they fit. Okay, thank you for that, Dr. Cannon. How can an organisation establish a mindful approach to mental health? I think leadership and engagement are the two words that I would always that always spring to mind. So leadership and leadership across the organisation, you know, because we all have people who lead our organisations, but each of us is a leader uh, in our own right, you know. So to to take um, the opportunity to understand more about mental health at work, to understand the policy positions and the plan on the way forward and the role you can play in it. I think for me, it's very much an ownership piece. So there's ownership at personal and organisational level. From an organisational perspective, to make these changes, however, and to create this enabling environment, it is very much about having sufficient funds allocated and resources there to deliver the plan, whatever that plan looks like, because plans will be different whether you're a small to medium-sized organisation or a global corporation. 
Uh, and they might be different also for global corporations who want to push all these messages out through their supply or value chain, as we refer to it, because your, your value chain is fundamental in you delivering what you need to deliver on behalf of your client base. Dr. Cannon, thank you very much for the invaluable insights that you've shared with our audience. And to our audience, thank you for listening all the way through. Please leave us a comment if today's discussion has sparked your interest. And don't forget to join us in two weeks for a new talk.